0: Welcome to episode number 70 of the Canadian Prepper podcast. We're recording on May 31st, 2020. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show based in Southern Ontario, I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator and computer geek. As a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events. I started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer.
1: My name is Ian and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, and my farm's designated handyman.
2: And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. I am a Canadian Armed Forces Veteran, Volunteer Firefighter and Station Chief, and also a Volunteer Search and Rescue Technician and Prepper. Um, I've been preaching and living the Prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so, and this was born out of necessity for the short-term and long-term survival of my family, which includes three young children.
3: Hello, my name is Tyler. I live in Northwest Wisconsin. Uh, besides prepping, I also enjoy homesteading, metalworking, engines, guns, and the great outdoors. If you want to help uh, support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper
0: Podcast on the air, you can buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast uh, t-shirt at rapidsurvival.com. All the proceeds go to keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled.
1: All right. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review in iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca.
0: I'm pretty sure the email address still works, even though nobody's been emailing us.
1: We should, somebody should test it.
0: Yeah, please do. (laughs) All right, so we've got some retreating content for you in this episode. Uh, First, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Uh, Next, we'll let you know what we've done uh, for our preparedness since the last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, uh, tales from a five-minute bug out.
1: All right, news time. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot because I figured Tyler had a lot to tell us about. Uh, So my only note today was that school's coming back for the kids in the local area here. Much to their chagrin, they have to go back for at least... uh, a day a week, if not more, thanks to the COVID. So that was it.
3: Interesting. So do you guys normally have uh, summer off or is this different school schedule because of COVID and everything?
1: Well, no, normally it's just, yeah, July and August are off, but uh, they've, they've been off since, you know, uh, right. well, at least two months now. And so uh, they were doing some online classes and I guess they're going to try and like, I think stagger the class loads. And then so it boils down to one day per grade per week.
3: Okay, so they're doing some sort of summer schooling, basically, to try to catch up from the lost time.
1: Yeah, I guess just for another month or month or so, I guess. I still get it at the end of June, so uh, I don't know. Okay. I think, so my daughter in grade 12 basically has like four days of school left.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> gotcha. that was it.
2: I know here in Nova Scotia, there's only one week left, um, and then they're calling it quits for the rest of the year. So they basically get like two and a half months off, and then they're expecting, they're hoping everything's going to be normal in um, September, but it could be like staggered where you would have like the lower lower elementary in the mornings, higher elementary in the afternoons. They just don't know what that's going to look like, depending on what the provincial regulations are at the time for COVID, right? So I'll wait and see, I guess. Okay.
1: Well, even more funny is the fact that uh, my older ones are going to university in the fall and uh, the university has already said they're going to be doing online classes for the entire first semester, including the labs, which makes me giggle. Well, so I'm like, well, what's the point of the university then?
3: All right. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Why am I paying the money? <laughs> anyway.
3: Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, funny. We talk about Corona a little bit because it seems uh, it has basically disappeared from the news. I'm sure everybody by this point has seen. Uh, kind of what's going on, uh, what started in Minneapolis and then has, has basically spread to the inca- entire country. Um, so just a little background, I was born and raised in Minnesota, so I'm pretty familiar with the area. Uh, after buying my own house, I moved to Wisconsin, and I've uh, been here for three years. But I I uh, live just about 40 miles away, and I work in North St. Paul, which is probably 10, 10 miles from where all of this is going on. Um, and we've been following it pretty closely since it really started to... Uh, I guess, erupt on Tuesday uh, when when the protests slowly kind of started to turn into less protesting and more rioting and looting. Um, but uh, this is all basically because of the uh, uh, murder of George Floyd um, by Minneapolis police officer. Uh, he was pinned on the ground for, for a number of minutes. Uh, I think everyone's probably seen the, the video by now, and it's it is pretty hard to watch. And uh, I think everyone agrees that it, it certainly was police misconduct, you know, abuse of power. It was essentially murder, uh, is what it was. And um, the, the whole country agrees on that. Uh, so I'm not really sure why we're all writing. I understand that uh, voices need to be heard and everything. And uh, I definitely empathize with those people. But uh, what what it has evolved to is, is truly tragic. And I'm not sure exactly how it has been painted on the uh, kind of the national news media, but certainly from watching hours and hours every evening of Facebook live feeds and uh, and YouTube live feeds and everything else it is it is it is bad down there and it is nasty and uh, people are out there just to incite violence and I'm kind of watching the news now there's stuff going on as we speak um, last let's say so so Monday night is when the incident occurred uh, Tuesday was relatively peaceful protesting most of the day and ended into the evening and I believe it was uh, Wednesday afternoon when they finally started looting kind of the first target building. And that was when things started to snowball and just devolve. Uh, so Wednesday night, there was a, a significant amount of burning and looting and violence uh, that kind of snowballed again Thursday. And by Friday, it was uh, total anarchy out there. Um, there were dozens and dozens of buildings burning to the ground all at once. There was groups of hundreds of people roaming the streets um, just smashing everything in sight and lighting everything on fire. Uh, they're dragging garbage cans, ripping things off of buildings, dragging them into the middle of the street, lighting fires, and just moving on. Um, and uh, it really, the the tone from from the, the local media as well as the governor, uh, it seemed, obviously, it's a very sensitive situation. Uh, you know, racially speaking, um, it was a, a white officer and a black man, so there's reason to believe that it could have been racially motivated from the video. There's not clear of that, I guess. Um, but, but obviously tensions are high. There's been cases of this in Minneapolis in the past. So it seems like this has been boiling for a long time and, uh, it has just erupted into bad stuff. And the, the tone really changed Saturday morning. Uh, the governor came on at those one 30 Saturday morning when the, when the guard was finally really, or sorry, I'm trying to think the days have all mixed together. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see, today's Sunday, so Saturday. It would have been Friday night, so it would have been early Saturday morning at 1.30. The, the governor came on and uh, gave another press conference, and it, it, the tone had significantly shifted. It went from trying to give people the opportunity to protest, uh, and, and there was just simply a lack of numbers. They said they had brought, I believe it was 2,500 uh, between National Guard um, and police officers the night before, and that was nowhere near enough. To to even quell any of the protesting, really, they're they're basically just uh, trying to protect critical infrastructure like the the state capital and some of the police precincts and so on. Um, but by Saturday, that like I said, that tone had changed. They fully enacted the National Guard. Um, so Saturday evening, they had uh, I believe it was just over 5,000 National Guardsmen out there, um, and it sounds like the the Minnesota National Guard holds about 14,000 soldiers. Not all of them are completely qualified or up to training to do stuff, but uh, so there is some reserves there. And it seems like as things, uh, I'm watching the TV now. Things kind of starting to devolve again. They actually just had a, a full semi tanker plowing into a crowd of about five thousand people. Thank God, no one was in, uh, seriously injured or killed, and and that's been kind of the the fortunate case with. With the riots ongoing, there, there's only been a handful of deaths, and, and those are all tragic, of course. But it's, it seems like with the hostility out there, it could be much worse. And uh, th- there's definitely some underlying tones coming from the governor the last two days that, that a majority of these people, especially in Minneapolis, are from out of state. Uh, they're not even from the region, and there are it appears that they uh, there's reason to believe that they're either domestic or international terrorists that are hell-bent on just wreaking havoc and basically tearing society down. And, um, yeah, that's, that's been the, 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 kind of the scene the last few days. Uh, like I said, the tone significantly changed, uh, it would have been early Saturday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning at 1 AM. So as the protest erupted Friday night and, and the, the guard has really moved in now. And it sounds like, uh, there's over a dozen other States in the country that have also enacted, uh, the national guard to, to basically keep peace. It seems like that's what they're attempting to do, and and they've done a, a good job. As I watched them move last night, they are very methodical, and, I mean, it's just tear gas after tear gas. Every few seconds, they're firing tear gas off, pushing crowds back, dispersing people.
1: Um, you know, I wish the media would cover, uh, you know, people banding together to clean up or banding together to defend businesses. Yep. Or else, they seem to focus on the destruction and everything else. So, I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt that the the person that uh, did the, the what amounts to a murder is a shitty yep. human being, mm-hmm. you know, regardless mm-hmm. of colors Absolutely. involved. You know, it's just it's a it's a shitty human being who's making his coworkers look like a bunch of jerks, yep. Yep. and then you've got the media who are acting like a bunch of jerks who are covering a bunch of people that are riding that are really just a bunch of shitty human beings too. Like, because there's legitimate protests and there's there's like senseless destruction. Like, yep. nobody in their local neighborhood is going to destroy their local business just because they're pissed mm-hmm. off with somebody who did something to one of their, their neighbors. Right. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, yeah, like you said, external forces going on there.
3: Yeah. And, yep. and
1: whoever's promoting that, like, and I blame a lot of the national media for that is like promoting the violence Yep. or trying to stir up a lot of the hatred. It's mm-hmm. just not helping. Right. I wish they'd actually do some feel good stories about it because there's actually a lot of Instagram pictures and Twitter stuff about people cleaning up and like, doesn't matter if color, Line type of thing, people helping each other clean up the next day and everything else during the daytime. I wish they'd do more of that. But
3: absolutely, and, and yeah, and the the local reporters for, for at least local news stations have done a relatively good job of covering the, the kind of the the media, I guess, unbiased at least through this incident. And they have done a, a good job of, of highlighting that. And, and you know, the city and the people of Minneapolis have really come together. Everyone is speaking out against out against this. Uh, you know, the, the nonsense and the riots and the protests. And, uh, yeah, there, there, still is good people out there. Even, uh, I was going to say it for the shout outs, but, but, uh, Main Streeters Pizza, it's a little pizza place in Star Prairie here, just a few minutes from us. Um, they actually catered the, the food at our wedding. Uh, they, they put out a Facebook post last night cause, um, as the roads are closed, uh, schools are shut down. There's, there's children that were receiving meals from the schools. Uh, and of course, you know, we, we kind of forget that this is all going on through, or in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so there was already people struggling to get the things they needed. And now with all this going on, there's even more. Um, so just a little small town Wisconsin pizza place. Um, they were able to fill three, seven passenger vans, completely full of food and supplies and another pickup truck, um, just with the local community here coming together. And I'm proud of my wife for donating over hundred bars of soap. And I'm proud of my community for, for coming together and, and trying to help out. So awesome. there, there is still good people out there. Don't lose hope. Uh, what you see on the TV is, is scary, but uh, as I've watched every single night, uh, I usually tune in about this time, 7, 8 o'clock, just as things go dark. There's a lot of peaceful protesting out there, and rightfully so, during the day. Um, and, and as things devolve during the night, um, there are a select few number of in- individuals, uh, you know, groups of individuals that are out there wreaking havoc. And then as, as daylight breaks, there are swarms of people coming, coming to the streets to help, literally walking down the streets with brooms and dust pans to sweep up glass and, and help out. So there is still good people out there. I've seen yeah. some
2: some good news um, um, stories, I guess, coming out of those. And, and one was a police officer. I don't know if it was in Minneapolis or another U.S. city, but basically he had gotten separated from his, his um, other officers. And some of the I'm going to call them the rioters or the protesters or whatnot, created basically a human chain. They interlocked their arms to kind of shield him and protect him from the other rioters that were trying to get to him yep. um, until he can get back to safety. Right. So, you know, like they are out there protesting, they're making their voices heard. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously pushing their cause and their agenda. Uh, but at the same time, they, they they recognize that if it weren't for, you know, them trying to help this police officer, he would have probably been injured or, you know, <clears throat> Could have been killed for for all we know, right? Because I mean, it was yeah. it was him against a crowd of people. Then you're just not going to win, right? So. Yep.
3: Yeah. And I kind of painted that scene. I wanted to, to show there is a distinction. There are a lot of good, good people in Minneapolis that are grieving and trying to do that peacefully protesting. And it is a relatively small in comparison to the people out there that are trying to grieve respectfully is a relatively small, you know, I don't even know what to call it. Insurgents almost of people that are, are really just wreaking or seeking to wreak havoc and nothing else. And, um, and I wonder so, too if
2: it's if it's the media that's fueling this and fanning it, and you know they're showing us a lot of the bad stuff that's happening, but they're not showing us the good. Like you really have to go out of your way to find those good news stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's enlightening to see those as opposed to tuning into CNN and seeing you know their yeah. own head, headquarters being destroyed. Which,
3: oops.
1: Yeah. I know. <laughs> Honestly, I think I there's one more good thing that, one. that came out of this <laughs> <laughs> it was probably that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah one awesome. of the few I was not uh, torn up about. <laughs> um yeah so I guess that's been the situation here. Uh I've been been watching it closely. It's been um disheartening to see uh to put it lightly I guess. Um but there is still good out there and and we we will we will, we will take back this country. We will it, peace will be restored. Whether it's by law enforcement or the the great citizens of this country, just like it was done in its founding, um, you know, peace will be restored. We will get back from this. So, thanks for sharing. Yeah, nice
2: to get a perspective from somebody who's close to it as opposed to you know, yeah. the, th- the three other people in this podcast being from Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're looking from the outside, looking in, right? So, yeah.
1: We're watching a bunch of posers in Toronto protest a (laughs) dubious (laughs) hate crime at (laughs) best. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Shall we move into what we've done lately, perhaps?
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I put in some raised garden beds Um, so I do have a larger garden where uh, this year we're doing things like potatoes and um, pumpkins and squash and all that kind of stuff but um, put in some raised garden beds good fun for the wife and kids it gets them more interested into gardening it's closer to the house um, so that's that's really kind of the main point and it's easier for them to get some water to it and all that kind of stuff so I really want to start teaching them and start start getting them more involved in that and and that was a great great way to start doing that so we put that in today Uh, um, I had to uh, get some dirt, so I ordered uh, four tons of dirt uh, to get that done. I have plenty of dirt um, that I'm not sure what am going to do with now, but we'll figure it out. And then, uh, as with the main topic of the show... I. Sp- spent some time rethinking about my 15, 30, and 60-minute bug-out plans. Um, So, obviously, if if I only have a certain amount of notice, um, what are the things I'm going to bring with me? Obviously, kids and wife and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then whatever else I can fit in that short amount of time, right? Um, And then in order to support that, I've had to reorganize some of my... um, prepper supplies that I would take with me if I only had 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 60 minutes Um, because realistically we're going to be talking about five minutes um, and five minutes is just enough to you know if if for anybody who has kids five minutes is enough to get you know one kid in a vehicle let alone three so um, (laughs) praise to my wife for having done that in five minutes but yeah Um, so that's what I've done so I'll uh, go over to Eric. All
0: right for myself um, I got to test out my power outage preps so we had a all of a sudden, a pretty quick um, storm come through here with some pretty heavy winds and a, a ton of rain. Uh, apparently, in the, the area, a couple of trees came down on some power lines, and we were out uh, for about six or seven hours. Um, I was able to sit back, relax, watch Netflix, and my little media server ran no issue, and yeah, everything was good. Uh, didn't even realize that uh, the power was out or that it had come back. I, I The only reason why I could figure out the power came back as the kettle started to boil and a couple of the plugs in the kitchen don't work and all of a sudden the kettle's boiling I'm like why is that? oh the main power's back so uh yeah the plans worked out well uh am going to change a few things around just as far as uh offset goes because i realized that i am the only house on the street that has power when the power goes out so i'm going to do a few things to kind of hide the fact that the lights are on and, and things are kind of running but um besides that it was only six or seven hours, so nobody was pounding at my door looking for anything, which was good. So uh, nice. it was comfortable. Everything worked.
1: Yeah, because if they knew you had Netflix, you know, they, somebody that was binge watching you <laughs> pounding on your door like,
0: "I get the next episode." Yeah, oh my god, I'm almost at the end of the season. Yeah.
1: Uh, as for myself, I stacked wood. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it's actually I've been, like I said, something normally I do in the fall. So I was uh, busy doing that off and on, only like an hour here, an hour there. But I realized I won't have enough wood for next season, so I got to take care of that too. But I've been scrounging around the property for all the deadfall and stuff. And yeah, trying to do my best for that. Um, Thanks to a local listener. uh, I got in contact with a local ham radio examiner. So I started doing some preliminaries with him to see how he could do it. And it sounds like he can test me online. So that's kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, So kind of a dual feature. Things have been bugging me for a long time on the property, but also... uh, uh, in preparation to maybe rent out or sell the property. We'd uh, been, I guess, primping the, the property quite a bit the uh, last week or so, so that has been uh, you know, going pretty steady. Uh, I went out to Alberta to, to check out an ideal doomsday. Um, unfortunately, it was not so ideal. <laughs> So, um, it's so funny cause I was talking to a couple other guys. They're like, did it, does it have an artesian? Well, doesn't have all the things we, <laughs> you, you said we should look out for. And I was like, no, but, uh, I actually did find one that did have all that, but it was like way out of town. So it was not gonna, not going to work for me to get to work. But, uh, the one I did go out and see was, uh, unfortunately good up to a certain point, And then once you got past the highly, let's see, they used wide angle, wide, wide angle lenses. They kind of airbrushed a lot of stuff mm. out in the pictures and they forgot to mention the scads of rotted railroad ties, rotten farm equipment and everything else. in the back 40 and not to mention a RV that looked like a milk truck a RV and maybe like a, a, a cube van kind of had mad passionate hate sex and then kind of <laughs> came up with this RV that was like left in there for the last 30 years in the back 40. So I don't know how I was going to get that out, but um, it's, a
2: mobile, it's a mobile meth lab right there. You passed the ball you know, with freebies? Well,
1: it was very, very much a Walter White special. And I was, I was like almost afraid to look inside for fear. I might find Jimmy Hoffa or something. So I was like, nah, anyways. And so I unfortunately had to turn that one down. Um, So, anyways, the search continues. But uh, I see you organized
0: your gun room as well.
1: Yeah, I got it here. Here, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here, I caught up on the doggy dentistry. So, just before the COVID hit, uh, one of my dogs had a rotten tooth, and uh, actually two it turns out and we were going to get it done and we kind of put it off like we were preaching about people to keep up with their dental hygiene and everything else in order to not get caught behind in case something happens well i didn't practice what i preached with my pets and so uh it got to the point where like the dog had breath like a rotting sea bass for about two months here during the covid Mm. and so we finally got into the the, the vet because they had like some covid procedures in place and they they kind of had a uh they reopened. Anyway, so we got like two teeth removed and some other stuff done and um, so that was kind of good, but that was, you know, he is a guard dog and he has a, a job around here, so um, yeah, it was kind of something we need to take care of, so we did. Yeah. And that was pretty much it.
3: Did they uh, give you any advice to prevent that from happening again? We're we're going to be getting a puppy here in uh, probably about a month, so well, I I've think got a dog is- already, but I've never had teeth issues with any of my uh, animals growing up, so
1: well, normally we wouldn't, but I think because he has a variety of stuff that normally other dogs don't get a hold of, whether it be bear hmm. bones or, you know, maybe he got a rock in his food or whatever, like just when he's out chewing on a rawhide or something, sure. I think it was an accidental thing. Okay, um, And, you know, like when they do go toe to toe with a bear, who knows he could have slipped and fallen and bashed a tooth or whatever. I don't know. So okay. anyways, it was just one of those things where you could see the front tooth was like black and obviously it was a problem. Mm-hmm. But it turns out the one that was causing all the smell was at the very back. We couldn't even see it, so they had to, to go in there. And He got some good drugs, so he was happy for a couple of days.
3: Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that was for me. Nice. Uh, for myself, uh, so actually my wife, she went out and foraged uh, quite a bit of a wild asparagus, and we we pressure canned that for the first time. We did f- uh, 14 pint jars of it. so It uh, wow. su- seems to be successful, so um, we're pretty happy with that and looking forward to pressure canning uh the garden which we also got planted uh just between yesterday and today we got the got the whole garden planted um also uh gathered some materials or substrates for mushroom beds so i collected uh, went out got some straw some mulch some wood chips uh, those sorts of things and uh, ordered some mushroom spawns. so we're going to plant a few mushroom beds here in the upcoming week um, talked about uh, putting up some gates on the driveway last week, which I'm glad I did given the uh, current circumstances, um, but I did a fair amount of regrading and stuff, so I was out there uh, reseeding some grass, putting down some erosion control. It's pretty steep in spots um, strategically, so uh, I also built a pig shelter, expanded the pig shelter, I should say, uh, took one of those large wooden pallets I talked about last week and uh, put up a pig shelter, and then we picked up our uh, feeder pigs just yesterday, and they are Looking awesome and happy out there, and I couldn't be happier that we've got them on the property now and they're settling settling in nicely. Um, like I said, we planted the garden, and then uh, last thing I did was pressure wash the, uh, I got two like kind of small stoops or decks that lead up to the, the doors on the front of the house. So we pressure washed those off, they were getting pretty bad, and uh, put a coat of primer and coat of paint on those and rebuilt the railings. So.
1: <clears throat> There's no wrong answer, but do you name your pigs?
3: <laughs> um i i've i've done that accidentally in the past and i will not make that mistake again
0: <laughs> <Lunch and dinner. laughs>
3: but even well, uh, even <laughs> even when they're not named they they got such personalities i really do love raising pigs they're just fun to they're fun to watch uh run around and run around and um even not naming them you, you still get attached to them it's, it's always difficult you know butchering processing an animal that you've that you've raised but that, that's what they're for and just know that you've uh, given it a good life and
1: well, like I said, they have a bunch especially of really good days. Especially family cat and too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just like you know they have a bunch of really good days and just one bad day. So it's exactly. Just, you know, yeah. Like mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, it's same thing. we with the chickens. We were kind of hesitant sometimes, but uh, we had a few babies recently, and two of them are still unnamed. So we're we're trying to figure that out. I think mm-hmm. we're waiting to see if they're boys or girls before we name them. <laughs> so.
3: Yeah, it's yeah, it's a delicate balance, especially if you've got kids, which I haven't had to deal with yet, but.
1: Oh, actually, my kids are the most brutal ones of the bunch. So <laughs> they actually, they're, they're the natural selection of the family. They just like, no, he's got to go, and he's going. And
3: come yeah, on, dad, so man they're... up. <laughs> so
1: it's like, would you just take care of him, please? So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, actually the kids aren't even the, the concern anymore. So, it's oh, okay. more like the old softy here. So,
0: nice. All right, well, shall we move into the main topic? Yeah.
3: What
0: All right, you, so... run
3: with it.
1: All right. So,
2: um, yeah, so last weekend, last Saturday, we had a forest fire in my area, um, which is something that is is uh, that happened uh, quite a few times. So three times in the last 12 years is this this little area here has had a forest fire. Um, This one ended up uh, consuming about 145 acres, which is, you know, there's there's much more. There's much bigger forest fires out there. I'm thinking ones like California and out west and Canada and all kind of stuff. But 145 acres in a small community that we're in is quite large. Um, so long story short, um, around 1230 or so, my wife was at the grocery store. I was home with three kids. Um, I am a first responder, so I'm a firefighter. And I got the notification that there was a forest not really a force fire at this point. It was more of a brush fire. I can bring up some pictures for you guys if you want. Um, So the ones I, um, are on Facebook and what I could see as well. Um, just give me a second here. Um, sorry, I had it. The pictures will actually really tell a really good story of, um, how big this was here. So give me a second. Uh, can you guys, okay, there we go. Uh, so I'll just go back here, oh, I'll go forward. So that was the fire about 45 minutes uh, from the point at which it started. So this was about 1.15 p.m. local time. Again, the call came in around 12.30 p.m. This was 1.15 p.m. Um, we had had very, very dry conditions for the last two weeks or so. Um, the winds on this day were about 30, gusting to 45 kilometers an hour. So that's what, like 25 or 30 miles an hour. Um, This was looking down the main 100 series highway. So this is the highway leading to where I live. Um, You can see that the fire jumped the highway. Um, Within about 25 minutes of the fire starting, it jumped the highway. We had a um, a Department of Natural Resources helicopter on site pretty quickly. What they were trying to do is they were trying to douse this side my mouse is here, they were trying to douse the right side of the highway in order to prevent the fire from jumping because it has a lot of fuel available to it on that side of the highway versus where it started. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, they were not able to do that because people were pulling over um, and getting their phones out and basically were directly in the way of the fire and the helicopters uh, and the helicopter pilots were unable to drop water uh, for risk of um, dumping water on people and killing them uh, because they carry 500 gallon buckets which is 5,000 pounds of water. So they were unable to do that, and the fire managed to jump the highway uh, and continue um, on the other side of the highway there. Uh, this is uh, the local school, which is only about four or five minutes from my house. Um, this is um, obviously going into the school. You can see that the, uh, the fire was backing up onto the school. At this point, it was only about four or 500 yards from the, from the back of the school. Um, and this is a picture of uh, the Sunday, so the day after, uh, part of the area that it burned through. And I actually have another picture here um, of what it was when I was working within the fire grounds itself. So obviously you can see that most everything is burned. The ground is burnt, The trees are burned. Um, so it, it did quite a number on the area there.
1: It looks like a background of the uh, the road. What's that? I like the movie The Road. It looks oh, looks yeah,
2: like- yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so basically I was, um, uh, my wife was at the grocery store again. Uh, I got the call around 1230. Um, at first we didn't think it was anything because I looked out to where the fire was, didn't see anything. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, kept going back, kept going about my day. And then I walked by the same window about 15 minutes later and I could see a large plume of smoke and I was like, okay, this is, we've got something on our hands here. So, uh, my wife came home, told me she drove by a bunch of fire trucks. I left, I, I went on scene, and I mean the fire went from, um, you know, maybe two or three acres to about 20 to 25 acres in the span of like 15 minutes, and this fire was wow. being wind-driven, um, and they said at that point it was moving about six meters a minute, um, and it was a dirty burn, meaning that there was areas um, that were basically burning uh, just the ground, but it wasn't touching the trees, but mm-hmm. then as it got closer to the highway, um, there was crowning as well, and crowning is basically that the tops of the trees are on fire, mm-hmm. and through convection Um, it it will catch other trees nearby on fire. So you have the ground that's on fire, you have the crown of the tree, so the top of the tree that's on fire but it doesn't touch anything else. And the problem with a dirty burn is that if the winds shift and the fire comes back and towards you um, all that unburned fuel has now been dried up by the original fire that went through and rather than moving 6 meters a minute, it's going to move 18 to 24 meters a minute which is kind of hard to outrun when you're in the woods, right? So with that being said, um, my my wife was home with the three kids. Um, originally, the fire was about three to four kilometers from our home. Um, I was in the command center for uh, a little bit of the time before I got tasked out to go into the woods, and that's when I overheard um, that they were going to be doing an evacuation of my area. So I called my wife, I gave her a 10 minutes heads up um, that there's going to be some uh, police officers that are going to be coming through the area and evacuating them. And sure enough, within about 10 minutes of me calling her, a uh, police officer came down our driveway and said, you've got five minutes, pack, pack your kids and go. So realistically, um, you know, she got 15 minutes notice to pack up and go. Um, if it weren't for my 10 minute call, she would have gotten five minutes notice to pack up and go. And unfortunately, as much as I prepare both um, you know, in process and in practicality, um, I wasn't there technically for my family to uh, pack up and go. Um, I mean, I was act- actively fighting this fire. Um, you know, if I could have probably left, but it's kind of leaving my post at that point, and I knew that my wife was capable of putting the kids in a van and going to her parents, which is only about 15 minutes away. Um, and that area where her parents live is not within uh, reach of the fire because it would have had to jump a couple lakes, and that's it's just not going to happen right so um so yeah so that's i mean you know that that's that's kind of the short story version i mean she was given 5 minutes by the police really 15 minutes because of the heads up that she got from me but that's only because i was in headquarters when i heard that they were going to be evacuating uh the area which my home was in um so it really made me think about um you know i gave myself 60 minutes to pack up and go if i had to and in this case, if I wouldn't have, if you know, if 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 I wasn't a firefighter and I got the five minute heads up, you know, it changes the game a lot. Because five minutes is just enough to get the cat, the three kids, the wife in the truck and out. Mm-hmm. I can't hook up my trailer. I can't pack the trailer. Um, I can't take clothes. I mean, I might be able to grab my laptop, and that's that's about it, right? uh really realistically i mean the kids the cat the wife obviously (laughs) they have to go um i'm not even sure about the cat but um the rest of the stuff in five minutes i'm just not going to be able to do it i mean you know i'd probably i probably forget to grab my wallet or my phone or something within those five minutes understanding that um you know i'm given five minutes because of the fact that there's imminent danger within the area which is a forest fire at that point and i just have to be able to out- outrun that and i've got two avenues of exit one of them being blocked by fire the other is the only way out so
1: yeah i think with some animals all you can do is just leave the front gate open or leave the uh, the back gate open or something for them to, to have an escape and that's about all you yep. can do if he, especially if the cat's playing silly bugger doesn't want to come right <laughs> right i think I to maybe once maybe twice and then be like okay you're on your own <clears throat> yeah. Right. Um,
2: and and basically, so so at that point, my wife went to her parents. Uh, we fought the fire all afternoon. I ended up staying. Um, so so in the world of firefighting, we don't fight four fires at night because um, it's it's dangerous to be in the woods at night, obviously. So um, from about nine p.m. to about six a.m., we went into um, structure protection. So what we were doing is that we were going from home to home, um, ensuring that the fire, which is wasn't about to encroach onto a property, and if it were and we would have set up um, some, some water to protect the home at that point. Um, so that's what we did till about 6 a.m. Uh, on Sunday morning. And then, thankfully, the fire was mostly out by that point. There was just a lot of hot spots um, that they had to hit and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we were able to return to our homes um, Sunday night at some point. I think it was like nine PM or so. So were you guys oh, sorry, yeah, houses
3: lost? Oh sorry. Yeah, I was gonna ask the same question. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, there's no there's no homes lost, uh what's whatsoever. I think it was one vehicle that was burned. Um and then there was uh, one property that suffered some um damage to some excavating equipment, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's no homes lost, no lives lost, no firefighters, uh, no civilians <laughs> injured. Um I believe they do know who started the fire. It was a gentleman whose home uh, was was on the same road as mine. Um, and he there was a burn ban that day, so you weren't allowed to burn at all just because of the conditions that, that we had. Um, but I believe, um, from what I've heard, um, that that person had been drinking and decided to burn some brush he had on his property. Got out of control pretty quickly, obviously, with 30 kilometer you know, winds gusting to 45 kilometers an hour. Um, didn't have a cell phone to call 911. Went down to uh, help tell his wife to call 911. By the time he came back, it was just out of control at that point. So that's not official. That's just what I've heard from bystanders and whatnot. But yeah. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's changed the game for me a lot just because, um, you know, being given five minutes is, is uh, not ideal. And as much as you want to prepare and as much as you want to have processes in place and all that kind of stuff, um, realistically, you know, the police gave us five minutes. Um, if I were here and I felt as though I was comfortable with 15, then I would probably give myself that because at that point, the cops are busy notifying other people. So I don't think they're going to be really timing you. Um, but at the same point, you know, they're, they're giving you five minutes because of the fact that there's imminent danger and, they, you know, you have to be out of there. So, mm-hmm. you know, unlike something that I, I typically prepare for, for a hurricane, I mean, we can see a hurricane co- <laughs> we can see hurricanes coming for days and days and days. Um, so, you know, we're, we're given ample time to prepare for that stuff. Same thing for snowstorms. I mean, we might lose power, right? But when it comes to a forest fire um, That's in crashing on your property um, The speed at which these these move, um, I mean this was a slow one at six meters a minute But um, if it's a fast-moving fire at 24 meters a minute um, It's covering a lot of ground really quickly and and you have to be out of there. So um yeah, so it's changed the game because I typically thought I always had about an hour um, to pack the trailer, hook up the trailer, get the kids and the wife and the truck and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I, I really realized that I could just have five minutes. So,
3: so cool. I wanted to ask just a couple of questions about uh, actual, like, I guess, you know, forest fire, wild wildfire, kind of how they operate. Uh, it seems like you obviously have probably the best insight. Um So like, let's say the forest fire, uh, on the scale of what you saw was encroaching on your house. Um, you know, obviously the, the speed at which it's moving is going to dictate how fast it gets there and that's going to be driven by the wind conditions and the ground conditions and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, the the vegetation in that area looks very similar to what, what you would see in Minnesota, Wisconsin, really all across the Midwest. Um, how, how close, um, would that fire need to be before you start to see like your siding melt and, and things like that. Um,
2: yeah, so that's a good question. So we typically see homes get damaged or destroyed for two reasons. One, you have the convection of the heat of the fire. So, I mean, if your property is close enough to the woods, I'm, I'm talking probably 100, 150 feet or so. I mean, a good forest fire is going to burn, you know, close to a thousand, a thousand degrees Fahrenheit, right? So the convecting heat off that fire, you know, a house like mine has vinyl siding. Mm-hmm. Um, it has asphalt shingles, all really nice combustible materials. I mean, you know, it's uh, my, my, My home is what we call a lightweight construction home, which means it has uh, laminated beams in the attic, which are extremely strong, but as soon as they're exposed to heat, they fail extremely quickly, right? So this is typical of your newer construction, like our 2000 homes and all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. um, convecting heat from the fire will definitely melt the siding and then that will catch other uh, combustible materials on fire. The other thing is that you'll have embers um, coming from, from the fire because basically these large forest fires generate their own weather systems and in doing so they, they generate their own winds and all that kind of stuff and they'll send embers um, onto your roof and basically that that's all it takes is for one yeah. ember to hit the top of your asphalt roof. Um, it goes through to the tar paper and then it goes through to the plywood which is just glue and you know, wood strips yeah. and then and then that's it and then your house is gone, right? So.
3: Yep. So, so I know a lot of people will set up sprinklers, start hosing down the roof uh, I assume that's to to mostly protect from those embers, is that in your experience effective at all? Or it
2: it is effective if you have a sustainable water source that can do it. Like for myself, I'm I'm on a well, um, so I can draw realistically maybe four gallons a minute out of that well for maybe an hour, and then it's it's going to run dry at that point, right? So okay. that doesn't give me a whole lot of water. Um, and the nearest water source, like. There's a creek that runs right by my property, but because we've had two weeks of dry weather, that creek is dry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If we have one or two days of rain, it's going to be full and it's going to run for a few days. But, I mean, on the day that the fire happened last Saturday, I had no access to water um, other than my well. And my well Mm -hmm. would not be able to supply a sprinkler system to do my house. Now, there are some people that will buy like a gas-powered water pump um, that can that can supply like you know you're talking probably about you know 1500 gallons a minute of water and then it'll have a sprinkler system that is a number of heads that will actually spray the woods or spray your house mm-hmm. um, so either way you want to do it you know you're you're actually wetting down the property you're introducing a lot of moisture and that that it, that will be effective in reducing what embers could do to your house and all that kind of stuff so yeah that's okay. that's a really effective way to do it but I mean trying to fight a forest fire with a garden hose um, and yeah, all the embers it's just time to get out of there
3: yeah
1: just go (laughs) right i've got uh, three different ways to ask the same question but bear with me for a sec here so uh so as a general rule like i know because every fire is different and the speed at which they move and so on and so on but i guess it's a combination of like how close was the fire before the evacuation was ordered how close did the fire get to your house and like is there like a preset kind of like plan as to when the cops are saying okay now we got to go give everybody five minutes notice like how do they actually decide on that
2: yeah, so good question. So um the fire, I think the first one was how close was it to my house before yeah. the evacuation got ordered. Um, at that point, it was it was probably around three kilometers, um, which is what, probably wow. 2.4 miles or something. Two, that's two,
3: that's, two that's surprisingly way. close, right? you close. said- It it's is, but it's,
2: it started surprisingly close. So it, right. it started yeah. probably four kilometers away. So by the time he had moved one kilometer and they knew the direction in which the fire was traveling, because I mean, it was basically a windswept fire. They knew that, okay, if this jumps the highway, there's a lot more fuel on the other side of the highway and there's a lot of homes on that side mm-hmm. of the highway. Um, So their concern at that point was basically the next real fire break is is called Mill Lake, um, which is just across the street from me, uh, which is where the helicopters were pulling the, the water out of. Um so basically they, they knew that they had to proactively work on getting that area evacu- evacuated, and they actually did like a six kilometer stretch of road, and they were further contemplating another 10 or so kilometer stretch stretch of road that goes to, to the ocean. So we've got about, about 12 kilometers from my house to the ocean, and then obviously the fire can't go anywhere, right? So um, but they did the first six kilometers. Um the fire got to about one kilometer of my house, so about a thousand meter or 3,000 feet from my house, um, is where the the fire kind of stopped because of Mill Lake, so that's where it Kind of ended um and then ian what was your third question oh when when did this decide to call the, the evacuation
1: yeah like what what makes them what triggers them to to run around and give everybody the notice
2: so it's a joint decision that is made between the lands and forest uh team so they're the ones that oversee all the all the wildland fire activity. so they're really the the experts as to where they think this fire is going to move how fast it's going to move and all that kind of stuff and then looking at working with uh joint emergency measures or 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 organization i'm sorry that is basically made up of like the fire department the rcmp which is our national police force that does the policing out here and they basically look and say okay this fire is moving at x amount at at, at this rate um you know it's threatening these homes within the next hour or two and at that point they basically made made the call to evacuate and by the time they made the call to evacuate i mean there's only like two or three police cars in our area that patrol the area but by the time they made the call there was probably Twenty to twenty-five police cars in the area that came from a lot of the other detachments. Um, so they had enough manpower to go door to door and evacuate. I think it was almost a thousand people, or like I think it was 500, 500 homes or so, and almost a thousand people. And they ran that evacuation. So those, those twenty or twenty-five cops ran that evacuation in less than probably twenty-five minutes or so, uh, wow. which was which was quite good. And then they said there was there was only so I don't know if it was a mandatory evacuation or not. That's still in question. But there was three people in the area. Area of evacuation that remained in their homes and police really didn't do anything about it they basically said you know what if you want to stay stay but if something happens know that you're not our first you know you're you're like we're not going to come to your rescue because we've already told you to uh, go right Mm -hmm. so these are people that had these are people that were on the lake and had boats as well so I mean you know if it comes to that just jump in your boat and go I guess right so
1: well, that was one actually one of my questions because like I guess if the police are going to show up to your door and or- order you to evacuate with five minutes notice or whatever, do do they wait per se and just uh, wait to make sure you're actually leaving or do they just uh, give you the notice and move on to the next house? It sounds like just move on to the next. So house they then, gave
2: right? us they gave my wife the notice. I mean she had already because I told her I gave her the ten min- minutes. So as soon as I gave her that, she started to pack the van. She wasn't in a huge panic, but she was starting to pack the van, put the kids in there, and she, actually when she was out of when she was walking out of the house for the last time, walking to her van is when I've actually got a video of it from my home security. You can see the police car like stop in the middle of the road, back up, come down our driveway and say like, you've got five minutes and she's like, I'm on my way out already. Um, So they evacuated the area and they had um, police at first and then Department of Transport um, vehicles blocking the roads in the roadblock. I could get back in because I'm with the fire service. service, right, but um, res- or residents were not allowed back in the area unless escorted by police if you needed, like, medication or if you forgot your pets or your wife or something, your kids, I don't know. But if you if you went to one of the roadblocks and said, you know what, I forgot my medication at home, the police would escort you back into the area. So it was relatively safe, but because the fire was still under control and not contained, um, they want to make sure that, they had, that you had an escort if you were going back in your home for whatever, right, so...
3: So besides like the door to door contact, is there any sort of infrastructure in place to like call dial home phones, send emergency alerts by, by region or location via text message or emergency alert system? Is there any sort of that stuff in place?
2: There is. um, Yeah. So we do have like a, an Amber alert system. Um, I don't, i think it's called the emergency notification system where it would go to every radio and television and cell phone and all kind of stuff in this case they can do it by like i I think they can do it by like um by like region or by um not area code but the other one um uh, the first the middle three digits there. Anyway, by,
1: by, yeah. by
2: prefix, yeah, so they have a number of ways to do it. But in this case, they had a very targeted area that they needed to get out um, and they basically just needed to go door to door to make sure that and they were recording every door that they did did not get an answer. So if they didn't make contact with the homeowners, um, they made a note of it. Um, so dispatch could understand that, hey, we didn't make note of this. And I think they were sending units back to those addresses in order to make sure that, um, that the people were out. And from what I understood, they weren't nicely knocking on the door. were like pounding on the doors yeah like try to get people out of there right so But yeah, we do have those systems in place. I think that the speed at which this was moving, um, they probably didn't have time to really? react it. And they, they had manpower, they had boots on the ground. I mean, you know, 20 to 25 uh, police officers is is quite a lot of manpower. So mm-hmm. um, like I said, they were able to affect the evacuation in less than 25 minutes, which, which is really awesome. Yeah, it's, it's quite so, impressive, yeah. It's moving a lot faster than the fire, let's say, so. Yeah.
1: Wow, so yeah. yeah. I guess you pretty much covered it off, but the family reaction seems to be pretty good. So I mean, they they handled that one fairly well. But uh, I imagine the average family isn't going to.
3: Yeah, <laughs>
2: have well,
1: they're going to take five minutes <laughs> to get over the shock, let alone do anything. So,
2: when the first when the call first came in, I mean, I I uh, just 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 for being fun and and playing around, I yelled fire, and my kids were like, oh, fire, fire, you know, because I'm a firefighter. So the kids were going to the window and all that kind of stuff, and we couldn't see anything at first, like I said. But then when when my daughter, who's six, saw the actual smoke. She started to panic and she was like, you're like, You know, do I have to pack? Do I have to take my stuffed animal? Do I have to take my iPad or my snacks? You know what I mean? Like, she was really thinking about the important stuff here, not mm-hmm. her not her siblings, but you know, um, so no, that I mean, the, the kids took it well, cause they, they had, I mean, you know, they, they got to go to their grandparents, which, you know, uh, we've seen them a little bit because of the COVID-19 stuff, but we really hadn't been able to see them a lot. So, you know, we got to spend, they got to spend the rest of the day there. They spent the night there. Uh, so, you know, the, the kids were, were great. Um, and again, this is only a 15 minute drive from our place. So it wasn't all that far. Um, so the family took it well, um, and even, you know, my wife being able to talk to Myself and myself being able to understand where the fire is, what what really is it encroaching on? Is our home really in danger or not? Um, And you know, about two hours after the evacuation, I kind of understood that you know we're probably not going to lose our home Mm -hmm. uh, because by that point we had three helicopters dropping water on this thing. Um, We had we had about 180 firefighters on site. um, Obviously, that were our, our number one job is to protect homes and lives. Obviously, we don't really care about the woods, right? So whatever we can do to protect homes and lives is what we were doing and. Uh, about 2 hours after the evacuation notice went, went out we had a pretty good understanding that e- although it was still on not under control and not contained that we we were probably not going to lose any structures with this fire so mm-hmm. so i think that was reassuring to her but again not everyone's going to have somebody who's a first responder or has access to that type of information so not knowing if your house is going to be there or not you, when you go back is is mm-hmm. i can't imagine right so especially when you didn't get a chance to take all the stuff that you wanted to so
1: Ooh. Yeah. Uh, major takeaways for you.
2: Major takeaways, I think um, obviously prepping for me is, I mean, you know, I, I was kind of caught off guard by the fact that, again, I, I always thought I had 60 minutes and then I gave myself other plans where I might have 30 or 15, but five was never something I really considered because I understand that. I mean, when I'm, you know, when we're leaving the house with three kids, five minutes is like that would be great. I mean, usually it's 10 to 50 minutes to get everyone packed away and stop screaming and fighting and just put your boots on and all that kind of shit, right? Sorry. Stuff. Um, so... So, in reality, um, you know, five minutes is not a lot of time, but the, the things I'm happy about are, are one, I mean, when it comes to all our family memories and documents and all that kind of stuff, all of the stuff that I have is backed up to the cloud. So, there's local copies here. Like, I've got a NAS that has all that information on it here, but all the important stuff, like the pictures, the memories, and all that is backed up to the cloud. So, realistically, if a fire swept through and burned the house to the ground, those things I already have a backup for. So, you know... The insurance is for replacing home and, and the physical property and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it would suck, but we would get a new house and all that. Mm-hmm. The other thing... Um, um, the other thing I, I found was and I'm drawing a blank now so <laughs>
1: oh, huh. that's awesome that's, that's good takeaways for sure yeah sorry,
2: sorry. Five I actually yeah so I, I has, so sorry I had a friend of mine who worked in insurance before and they said you know um, they were asking me what my plan was and I said I think I have like a million coverage on the house which is basically the house and the property or the house and, and the contents and all that kind of stuff and they said that's great but you know in order for the insurance to cut you a check you have to basically describe what's in every room and you, you know you're not going to be able to do that you're not going be able to remember everything you had the size of your tv and all that kind of stuff so he said the best thing you can do is take your camera go through your home take a thousand pic- pictures and what i mean a thousand pictures literally go through every go in every room and take like six or eight different pictures of the room itself and then open every drawer take a take a picture of every um, you know model number and serial number of, of expensive electronic like computers and cameras and all that kind of stuff and store that on your Dropbox and if you do have a fire or something like that you basically give that tip to the insurance and they will have to go through and catalog everything that they see in the pictures and then especially if you because if you have a, a 55 inch TV is it is it a 720p or 4k because that's yes. gonna make a big difference in the price right yeah, those those. There. <laughs> right so if you're able to prove you know that this is what you had, and again, I mean, you know, I've got a desktop here, but is it a three hundred dollar de- Dell desktop or is it a three thousand dollar gaming desktop, right? And unless you're able to prove that through what they can see as a remnants of the article or through receipts, you know, you may only get three hundred dollars for that desktop when you paid three thousand bucks for it. So, being able to, you know, take pictures of the contents of the stuff that you own, opening up dressers to show, you know, what's inside of them, opening up your toolbox just to show, you know, this isn't just you know, Harbor Freight tools, it's, you know, I've got some Snap-on tools in here, right? So that's going to make a big difference when it comes to getting that reimbursement. And although I've got a million in coverage, unless I'm able to prove what I had, you know, I may get your reimbursement for Harbor Freight tools instead of Snap-on tools, just for example. Right. So, and that would suck. That'd suck a lot. So that was a second takeaway. So I did that probably two years ago. um, And then anytime I buy something new of significant value, like a new TV or something, I'll basically just take the pictures out of the old TV, replace it with the new stuff so that it's kind of up to date. Uh, But I do have that. So if fire swept through the house, you know hand those thousand pictures over to the insurance agent they're probably going to cry a little um and then it's going to take them a while to go through and catalog everything and cut me a big fat check so oh
1: i, I just make it fun for them i would include a couple of pictures of like a gimp suit or something just to see, <laughs> see if they're paying attention you never know thought
2: you know a classic car they're like you had a 67 mustang fast <laughs> in the garage <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny we didn't we didn't find a frame or anything. Yeah. It was melted, you know. Like- the military
1: <laughs> hobby that was parked <laughs> in the garage. Come on. <laughs> I'll
0: take a yeah. picture of my screen with the gun room there. <laughs>
1: yes, right. I got YouTube proof
2: <laughs> so I think those are the two biggest take takeaways even if I have five minutes to leave the house um, which obviously could happen and I understand that now um, you know making sure the kids and the wife and everything are, are with me and gone that's great if the house were to burn to the ground we have the memories and then we have enough proof um, stored in Dropbox and some other place because I don't trust just one backup service um, that I could go to the insurance and be like I want my check for a million Bucks because between my home and between the contents, it's probably going to add up to close to a million dollars. Um, and that's going to make a big difference when you're trying to rebuild your life, too, right? So,
3: yeah. Uh. Yeah, I think the big takeaway is five minutes is just, is like no time at all. I'm just thinking as you were talking here, like as I sit here now, if I was given five minutes, I'm sitting here in shorts, barefoot, like comfortable, ready, you know, basically ready to go to bed for the night. Five minutes, it's barely enough time to get a pair of socks on, get my pants on. You know, luckily I keep those with all my, my phone wallet. Like I think of a lot of people that just come in the door, they throw the keys here, the wallet goes in the purse, the whatever goes over there. And you know, it's five minutes every morning, just trying to get out the to gather up the the keys in the wallet and you know
2: it's yeah. just,
3: there's no time at all. Yeah. I mean- and yeah it's kind of and also
2: you got to think like we were home when this happened you know what if we were in town which for us in town is about half an hour away um, you know the time between the fire when the fire started when evacuation was called it was probably about an hour and 15 minutes or so um, so if we were in town and we didn't have an ability to get back to our home because there's already road roadblocks in place um, you know then yeah we've got the kids but we don't have anything else we don't have laptops the cat we don't have any of that mm-hmm. so I would greatly much I'd much rather have that five minutes and have no time at all because you know, if if we can get the kids in the van and you know, if they give me five minutes again, I, I might take 10, I might take 15, right. I might take as much time as I can until they come back and say, okay, you've got to go now. Like we told you five, 15 mm-hmm. minutes ago, you had five. So, you know, in that extra 10 minutes, I might grab a couple laptops and tablets and things that are probably going to be expensive that I right. want back, right? Wedding pictures and stuff like that, right? So um, you know, understanding where I'm going is, you know, 15 minutes away to a a nice home that has food and all that kind of stuff i'm not going to start packing you know dry food bins and stuff like that (laughs) right so
3: yeah 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 the 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 situation is gonna certainly dictate yeah exactly how much time you have if it's a fire fire approaching you know even if you're given five minutes you can still kind of gauge a threat based on your own you know Right. No, to me, this easy. is not really
2: this is not really a regional emergency like, like a hurricane would be, right? This yeah. is a very localized emergency. And mm-hmm. even if we didn't have family nearby, we could go to a hotel. So I'm not like thinking, oh, I've got to pack the tent like you know, like we're yeah. gonna stay in the woods, like no we're not, we're gonna go to a hotel, right? Like
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Especially it wouldn't be that long either, but I just learned I should start podcasting with pants on. So I mean save me a right was, there. <laughs> I wasn't
0: gonna call anybody on it. <laughs>
2: So yeah, so, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, so just because a majority of us on the panel are first responders, and I know a lot of our listeners are as well, uh, you bring up a good point that we're going to be dealing with the situation mm-hmm. uh, and most likely going to be away from our families when the situation is happening, be it the fire that you had to deal with or any other major event that's happening. Mm-hmm. Has this changed anything in your preps as far as getting prepared or... Uh, having them more involved in the uh, exit strategies or or the exit planning or or anything like that?
2: It's a really good question. I've wrestled with that because um, my wife isn't into preparedness as much as I am. Um, So it's, it would kind of be a hard sell for her. Um, And at the same time, I know that she's focused basically on the kids, right? If she has five minutes to leave, it's it's, she's going to get the kids and she's going to go and that's going to be it. Um, So yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that. I mean, um, unless you've got a spouse who's into preparedness as much as you are, I mm-hmm. think it would be hard. I mean, you know, I could probably put a ch- checklist together for her, but I think in times of an emergency, she's probably going to ch- take that checklist and throw it <laughs> right in the garbage can. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. you know, save my snap on, um, you know, torque wrench. Like that's not going to happen. Right. Like, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that, I think that as, as a, you know, very competent adult, my wife is going to, know what she's got to do to get out of there in five minutes and her priorities are probably going to be in line with mine right so but that does raise a good question of that you know being a first responder and having to respond to an incident that your family is also affected by that's really hard because naturally you want to leave the incident and go take care of your family um and i could i could have probably done that there's enough people on site whose homes were not threatened by the fire that I could probably said, guys, listen, I've got to, f- I've got to go home. I've got to take care of my family. I'll be back in half an hour. I yeah. don't think that that would have been an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, I didn't think the fire was encroaching on our property quite, that much just yet that they had enough time to be out so i think if situation was different i would have hopped into one of the vehicles and made my way down to help my family get out of there so but there's times you know that's a good point eric that there's times when you couldn't you wouldn't be able to do, to, to do yeah. that you wouldn't be able to get in a vehicle and just go help your family right you'd be stuck at the incident so
0: that's some good to put in the back pocket for anybody listening and that is doing the first responder thing and i have that uh In the back of your mind as well, and a backup plan in case you're uh, not able to be there,
2: right? And I mean, it's not just that I was at the incident. You know, I could have been hunting two hours away, and this happened, and Mm -hmm. I would I wouldn't have had time to get back to my family, family or or family, right? Or you know, sometimes I travel for work, so I could have, you know, if it wasn't for COVID nineteen, I could have been in Ontario when this happened. um, You know, a few hours away from my family, and and they would have been left to their own devices again. So that's um, a good point as well. I'm I am wrestling with the fact of how how would I get her to be better prepared to do so but at the same time i think that with five minutes um
1: there's not a whole lot you can do anyway right no, so. of course maybe a, 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 I guess a checklist i don't know like just yeah. <laughs> yeah. ipad laptop even, yeah. you know
3: <laughs> kids
2: possibly the cat.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: um and that's the thing i think you know even with like an hours i you know i i don't know that she would follow a checklist, right? Again, Mm -hmm. it comes down to our priorities are probably... I think our priorities are aligned as in get the kids, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it comes down to make sure my XPS 15 is saved, like, or my PS4, like, you know, let it burn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's her silver lining right there. She's like, no more PS4! Yeah,
2: yeah. So. uh, I guess
3: I had had one last question. Uh, I was going to ask you kind of about... Uh, I see a lot of videos of like wildfires in California and stuff. And you see the vehicles driving out of that and the, the fire trucks driving so close to the blazes and so close to the fires and, and these huge raging forest fires are right along the edge of the road. And you can't even see in front of you. How long can a vehicle kind of sustain that heat? How is that just fire trucks that can do that kind of thing? I mean, at what point are you, are you getting out of your vehicle or trying to find an alternate route? You know, can you, can you lend any advice, I guess, to, to where do you risk it and where do you say, okay, this is not going to work in the car or whatever it might be?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question because, I mean, I've seen, um, I think it was last year, there was like a Toyota truck that made it out of wildfire, and everything that was plastic on that truck yeah. melted. I mean, I mean, the headlight, the taillights, the mirrors were all melted off the truck, the paint was bubbling, but the truck made it out of there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not an advertisement for Toyota trucks or anything like that, but it's just like your vehicle can probably go through a lot more than you think it can, but I have seen people say, if you're going to be going through, obviously put, put the AC on max, cause you're going to want that cab as cold as you can. Yeah. And by putting on max AC, you're putting on a recirculate, which means it's not going to be grabbing fresh air from the outside of the vehicle to bring it mm-hmm. in the vehicle. It's going to be recirculating the air that's inside the vehicle. So that's probably the, n- the number one thing is to make sure that your air is set to recirculate um, so that you're, you're keeping that fresh air you've got in the cab within the vehicle mm-hmm. and you're not pulling, you know, uh, smoky air from outside the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, it's, I think it comes down to, you know, if I had my pickup and I had to get out of an area like that, like proactively put into four wheel drive. Cause right. I mean, that's just, just those little things. Right. So I think, you know, max AC four wheel drive, don't stop, just, just get out of there, right? When it comes to fire trucks, it's it's kind of the same thing. I mean, it, it comes down to the design of the vehicle and most of these vehicles are like made of made out of aluminum, right? So um, there's not a lot of plastics on these things. Mm-hmm. It's mostly steel and aluminum, all kind of stuff. Um, but they will get heat exposure pretty quickly. I mean, the windshields would actually, the, the windshields on most vehicles are, are, are laminated glass, and when they're exposed to heat, they, became, they actually become opa- um, opaque so you can't see through them, right? So when you start seeing the opaqueness kind of Build into the windshield. You know that you're you're being exposed to a lot of heat, and you're mm-hmm. about to lose the ability to see. And if it's that hot, sticking your head out the window to see where you're going is not it's not going to be
3: an option. Yeah, right? No, <laughs> well, that's some really good insight. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah unless you want wind to
1: look like Neo from the Matrix, when he was, the <laughs> of the thing where he's got no hair. But uh, actually, a public service announcement. Before I forget, too, is like um, one thing that people don't think about when they're stopping to take selfies in front of the fire and everything else there's probably also going to be guys with drones up there too, uh, you know, bombing around to take a good look at the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in order not to hit helicopters and maybe the drone that the fire department's using or anything else, don't send your personal drones up to check out the fire.
2: Yeah, and I think unless, in Canada, unless- I think it's, is it five kilometers? I think you have to be minimum five kilometers away from an emergency scene, so.
1: Yeah, so unless it's, like, you should hit the fan, there's no responders around, and you want to see the, for the forest fires compared to your house, and there's, like, nobody flying? Okay, sure, but, you yeah. know, in reality, it's, like, no.
2: But they actually, um, that's that's funny. Man, mention that because on the fire on Saturday, they had to put up a notice, um, on social me- media for people with recreational drones to not fly in the area because people were, and they were getting pictures and posting them on Facebook in real the real time. And they were they realized, guys, these are these are drones flying near the three helicopters that we have, and I mean, it doesn't matter what size. I mean, if if a dr- if a helicopter hits a drone with its tail rotor or anything, it it could be it for the helicopter, right? Well,
1: if um, a can, candy oh. goose can literally take down an airplane, no problem. Um, Cause it's just a weight versus relative speed. So if the helicopter is doing like 60 knots, even like just same speed as a car and hits a two, three pound drone, that's,
2: could put it through the shield it. Yeah. It, you know it could it could hit the rotors and and that's the end of it right so um yeah don't don't fly your drones near these things even when our fire department drone was up it was only when the helicopters were gone for the day so they were not putting up our drone when the helicopters were up at all so
1: Yeah, I just can't believe like the the helicopters weren't able to drop water because the guys were taking selfies in front of the (laughs) fire.
2: Well, and that's the thing is, I mean, we had the helicopter pilots were screaming on the radio to get people off the highway and we didn't realize at this point that people were stopping, getting out of the vehicles, crossing the highway in the heavy smoke, not understanding if vehicles were coming or not, to get pictures of the fire and the helicopters pilots couldn't drop the water because um, where the vehicles were parked and where the beginning of the woods were, were probably only about 50 feet. And, you know, understanding that these helicopters are operating at like five, 600 feet in altitude, they've got 500 gallons of water and they're going to drop it and that's 5,000 pounds. If you drop it on a vehicle, it'll flatten the vehicle. If you drop it on a person, it'll probably kill the person. So, they weren't able to effectively do their job because people were just taking pictures. So, crazy, brutal. Yeah, yeah get off the highway (laughs) and the worst is i mean i mean at this point i mean we were in the process of shutting down the highway and cars are driving through the smoke and it was like one of these things you see in nascar like you know you've got this big heavy fire and smoke you can't see what's on the other side you're going through this going like 200 miles an hour obviously they're only about 60 miles an hour but like they were going through the smoke at 60 miles an hour not understanding what was in the smoke or what was beyond the smoke
1: it's still faster uh, than the b- reaction time.
2: Baffled. Just, yeah. yeah. It's like going through the clouds without radar or anything. Like, just, you you know, F it. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> there's something there. There's something there, right? Like, so. mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's crazy.
1: We had uh, one question from Tim, uh, uh, listener Tim. I don't know if you saw that or not, Hughes, but it, uh, maybe it's an OPSEC thing for you as well. But I think we covered it in a previous episode as well. It's... uh. Can you leave right, your
2: trailer, I loaded leave so trailer loaded? Um that's a yeah, that's a really good question. I would prefer not to because um so I, I thought about it because I mean if, if I could leave it loaded I could leave, leave it locked and then it would take me a few minutes to load up the trailer and go but I think that um, I can't really control the environmental variables within the trailer which means it gets really hot in the summer and really cold in the winter and a lot of those items I think would not fare well with those conditions um, so there's that and then the other piece is that if somebody drives down my driveway and hooks up to the trailer I don't care what kind of lock you have on it I mean it's just going to slow people down right but if they steal that trailer they're literally making away with you know probably ten thousand twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars worth of stuff right um so obsec wise i'd rather have that in the house it's it's a bit more of a struggle for them to get to uh but it's something tim it's a re- great question it's something i've struggled with uh, because it would cut down on the time greatly but also i use that trailer for you know carrying out atv getting anything sure. that can't fit in my truck which if i had to unload it and load it every time i think i would do it once and really realize i, I, I don't want to do this again <laughs>
3: Yeah, if, if we no. all had unlimited resources, we'd probably all have a, a oh, home right no. with a, a little trailer in the shed and the heated shop ready to go at a moment's wow. notice. But I, uh, idling yeah.
1: at all times, ready to yeah. go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and Tim did mention. I'm assuming it's enclosed. Yeah, it is enclosed. It's mm-hmm. six by twelve enclosed. It's got barn doors in the back, a side door. Um, I can padlock it shut. I can I can lock it as well. But it's just I think um, just the the environmental uh, aspect that I can't control. And obviously, if somebody were to back up and hook up, they're making away with you know. Ten, twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff. So,
1: well, it decapitates your preps too, right? Like, if it's if it's the, the the primary stuff you want to take with you, it's probably your most valuable or or valuable to you preps, right? Right.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Yeah.
0: Any other questions from the panel, or anything else you want to toss in, Hughes?
2: No, I think this is a really good uh, topic. I think it was really well timed as well, obviously. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think for, I mean, for me at least, it was an eye opener because, again, you know, I'm somebody who's very process driven. I've got lists, I've got procedures for a lot of stuff. I've got a lot of preps. I mean, if you gave me 60 minutes. Not a problem. Um, trailer would be loaded. Everything would be hunky-dory, and I could leave the house understanding it. If the house is gone, we're just going to get a new house. But five minutes was really an eye-opener, and I, I never thought it was really possible. I knew that there had been forest fires in the area before, uh, but never when I lived here. So I'd never lived through that, I think. I think you almost have to live through it to really understand that, you know what, you may only have five minutes. And if that's the case, it really kind of handcuffs you as to what you can take with with you. So obviously, it's going to be your kids, the cat probably an iPad or a laptop, so you have something to do when you're, you know, sequestering a hotel for three months as they rebuild your house, but yeah, so it really changes the game I think.
0: Alright.
1: Cool. Podcast hmm. challenge time? I think so. Alright, so uh, the best I could come up with to this week was uh, trying to put together a small bag of critical items that would allow you to leave with zero notice in the ideal world. Uh, so, when I say small, I don't mean like, you know, a 72-hour, like, a 5.11 pack. I mean, like, small like uh that would just hold you like a personal files like a little jump drive full of stuff so that's you know some anybody in the house can grab if it. it's just like hey grab the the red bag and we're on your way like just mm-hmm. because that's the absolute critical stuff you don't want to lose behind whether it be the thousand pictures jump drive or whatever yep. so awesome so, yeah it's pretty easy uh, podcast challenge to do i think just to break out your iphone and go crazy
0: i think yeah. so upcoming events
1: all right, so uh, just one now. Uh, we've got TACOM Canada 2020, September 11th to 13th, and the uh, Canadian Programming Poster- Podcasters Network will be in attendance at TACOM 2020. Your favorite podcasters will be on hand throughout the show, assuming it's not canceled. So make sure you stop by the booth to meet your favorite and pick up some swag. You can see the details for the show at the ticket link here. And that also gives us a bit of a kickback if you follow that link to buy your tickets. A um, couple of quick things with that. We should have uh, Fred here on within the next month or so. I'm just going to start uh, making contacts with him on that one. And uh, sounds like they're going to try and ah, – I don't want to go with there. But they're going to try and uh, do some fundraising for some CCFR stuff down the road. But I have to get more details on that. But anyways, uh, yeah. So – that's all we have for now. Tack on yeah, Canada. Awesome.
0: All right. Let's move into some shout outs.
1: Uh, oh, that's me again. Uh, that's so tra- uh, traveling prepper who uh, showed me what ha- uh, having a mag really means, which was great when I was out in Alberta uh, looking at the property. He was uh, more than helpful. Uh, and listener Steve for the ham radio connection. That was awesome. Uh, within, you know, like just by putting it out in the podcast here within like a day, I had connections to an extremely local ham radio examiner.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So it's great.
3: Yeah, uh, I had um, just want to shout out to Main Street Pizza here in Star Prairie. I mentioned them earlier. Uh, just a simple Facebook post last night, and the community came together and they were able to drum up a bunch of supplies. Like I said, they donated three full seven passenger vans and a pickup truck to uh, the community of St. Paul, Minnesota, and those in need there. So Awesome. Mm-hmm. Any shout outs for you, Hughes? Nope. No, I'm
0: good. All right. Moving to uh, email and iTunes reviews. Uh, So the uh, feedback at uh, prepperpodcast.ca email address is very lonely as per usual. So nothing there uh unfortunately i've uh, checked it a few times we're still getting those uh, job applications i am still not opening them my computer is still not crypto locked because i'm not opening them uh however we have got a few more itunes reviews so uh, we're up to 54 five stars five four stars three two stars and one two star and then that one little guy one star still keeping us honest so thanks for the reviews keep sending them in we appreciate it
1: and you're still looking for a uh- Topic ideas, if anybody uh, has something we want to discuss. Uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Them in. Break, your, yep. break your up, sec, and uh, don't worry about it. We won't turn you in just for emailing the show. It's, it's okay. Nope. We're or uh,
0: there are ways to send it in anonymously. Check mm-hmm. out the dark net and email addresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Proton mail, all that <laughs> Proton stuff. Proton mail, all that fun stuff. We yeah. accept that as well. You don't got to give us a name or anything to pose the question. And we'll happily talk about it. Uh, So I guess with that, I will bring episode number 70 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, Please help us out, submit a review to help other people find us.
2: And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notification tab. Uh, that gives you alerts of when we're going live. And for myself, uh, I can be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com or hughes at And I've also got my own YouTube channel. Just search for HFX Prepper.
3: And yeah, if you've got any questions or advice for me, uh, go ahead and email into the show at tyler at
1: All right, you can reach Ian indirectly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube, recording there on Monday nights at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. There you can find me uh, discussing why government waste makes you want to change provinces.
0: (laughs) It's changed again. Alright, so uh, please check out uh, Rapid Survival. Uh, that's rapidsurvival.com You can get me there in the live chat while you're buying some Prepper gear. Uh, you can also fee- uh, ugh, email me at feedbackprepperpodcast.ca uh, Again, the inbox is pretty empty so uh, please verify that it's working. Send me some emails. Uh, thanks for joining us and until next time, be prepared, stay safe
1: And taxation is theft Nope, wrong podcast. <laughs> Keep learning
0: <laughs> It is theft, though <laughs>